Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today, and technically tonight, 11.45 p.m. on Sunday, August 6th, we are going to react to Saturday, August 5th, day number nine of San Francisco 49ers training camp, before on Monday, day number 10 occurs, and we, and we react to that later on that day. Today is day number nine. San Francisco 49ers training camp reaction. It was on Saturday, and boy, was it a good day. Brock Purdy did not practice. Got a lot of looks at Trey Lance and Sam Darnold, and even a little bit of Brandon Allen when it came to the quarterback position. Uh, absences of the day. Nick Bosa, still not there. Once that contract. Um, other guys doing light stretching on the side, coming back from injuries. Austin Bryant. Elijah Mitchell with the adductor, Jalen Moore with the bone bruise, Aaron Banks a concussion, Kalia Davis a hamstring, and rookie Robert Beal Jr. All of them doing light stretching on the side. Guys who had vet days, Talon Noah Hufunga, Eric Armstead, and Demetrius Flanagan Falls. All three of them had vet days off, did not practice on Saturday. And before we dive into actually what happened on the practice field, 1v1s, team drills, situational drills, I want to remind you, use that promo code 49ersaccess at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Also, follow us on social media, Back at Camp Tomorrow. And if you're listening to it on audio version, Back at Camp Today, August 7th at 10.25 in the morning. Follow us on social media, get the updates as they happen at training camp. Without that, without further ado, <laughs> without further ado, it's late, I'm sorry. Uh, let's dive into what happened on Saturday at training camp. Uh, some small things. I think Ronnie Bell looked really good. Rookie receiver Ronnie Bell from Michigan looked really good during 1v1s. Uh, had a handful of catches. His, You can tell his route running is very crisp. You can tell that he's gained so much um, momentum and confidence as camp has progressed. And for a player like him who's fighting for that roster spot, it's really good to see. Um, he wasn't going against Mooney Ward or, or this team's top cornerbacks, but it's good to see a young player like Ronnie Ronnie Bell um, finding his footing in his first NFL training camp. Uh, other guys, uh, one thing I noticed early on was in uh, 1v1s, this team was going to throw the deep ball. There was about 10, 15, you know, Lance and Darnold and Allen splitting you know, about 15 deep balls, go balls. This team was going and made it a point in 1v1s. Then later on in practice to begin to test def defenses deep, test cornerbacks deep, and that carried over into the day. But seeing it early, seeing that, okay, this is what today is going to be. They're going to be aggressive downfield, and that did carry over, and we'll talk about that uh, later on in the show. Um, but one, and the reason why I bring that up is because one player... <laughs> Uh, who's expected to catch many go balls and deep routes this year is Danny Gray. And, you know, Danny Gray is one of those players where he finds himself not on the roster bubble by any means, but he is someone that many fans are expecting big things from in year two. And I think that we've seen examples of those big things, route running, improved hands, um, and the confidence, kind of like Ronnie Bell, growing as time has progressed in year two for him. But the first play of the day he got, I thought it was pretty funny, actually. First play of the day, first ball to him, 1v1s. He does a comebacker, kind of an end-around route. 
hits him right in the hands, he drops it. And when I tell you this was, like, he grabs the ball, smacks it. This was the loudest, you know, F I have ever heard uh, being up that close and personal to a player. Um, you can tell he was angry that he dropped that first play of the day. Uh, I'm, I'm sure for someone like him trying to still prove himself and, you know, keep that momentum going and the confidence growing, dropping the first ball of the day is not going to make him very happy. And then on his second rep, he catches a football, you know, did his route and caught the football, do what he was supposed to do on the first catch. And he's walking back to the, you know, where the receivers are standing. And you hear him say, I can't believe I dropped the first pass of the day. Um, and I think right then and there, we kind of got the idea of what this practice was going to be. Um, whether it was the quarterbacks, the offensive line, the receivers, the offense looked really sluggish all day uh like it was noticeably bad early um quarterbacks were inaccurate receivers dropped some passes offensive line was really shaky and jake brendel in his post-practice press conference made it a point to say hey look we had our longest practice of our entire training camp this far on friday guys are a little tired a, a little worn out so early in that practice on saturday you could definitely see that um, and I also think it made guys kind of testy early because on 1v1s, it was Ayuk against uh, Samuel Womack, and they were chirping early. Ayuk beat him out of the route, made the catch, and instantly Womack's chirping at him saying, hey, you know, and I forgot what he's saying exactly, but they're chirping back and forth and talking. Uh, Ayuk's talking back to him, and, and you could tell there was this instant, you know, one of them, Ayuk, Womack, someone during practice that this was going to be just one of those days where nothing goes right or and it's actually the offense in, in this practice but you can tell it was one of those days where guys had chips on their shoulders they're tired uh they don't not not want to work hard but you can tell that there was frustration brewing early uh, whether it was from the day before on friday or just it being early in the first you know the first route someone runs the first guy you have to cover they beat you Danny Gray, well, Matt guy, you, you can tell there was already frustration or tiredness or just kind of angst brewing at the practice early. Um, other things to note, uh, John Feliciano playing left guard with Aaron Banks having a concussion. Uh, that's not anything to not be expected, but thought I'd note it. Uh, Mooney Ward back in a non-limited full participant in practice. He looks like he's fully healthy, and he, he retook his spot with the ones during team drills, no longer uh, rotating with Amory Thomas, who was then relegated to second team reps where he should be uh, in the rotation. Uh, some other things, the kind of highs and bigger things I noticed of the day was Willie Sneed. I declare August 5th of 2023 will hereby be now known as Willie Sneed the fourth day because my goodness, for someone like Willie Sneed, who was a Saint for a long time and a Raven and known for his blocking, not his receiving, he had quite the day through the air. Um, I don't know if he makes his team, but he had the two biggest highlight plays of the practice. He caught a 40-yard touchdown from Brandon Allen and caught the ball in between two defenders. Great catch. On the run. Catches the ball. Runs for a TD. His second play was even better 
to you know basically end practice. It was a touchdown pass from Trey Lance, and this ball was Womax like glued to the, his front, not even looking at the football, glued to his front. Sneed reaches around him with one hand and catches the football, getting his second touchdown of the day for 25 yards. This was Willie Sneed's day of all days. August 5th was Willie Sneed day at practice. Two huge touchdown catches. One a just phenomenal catch around Womack who couldn't get his head around and by all means should have been face guarding. But Willie Sneed, here's your flowers. Did a great job on August 5th, now known as Willie Sneed the 4th day when it comes to San Francisco 49ers training camp. I did want to note that I think we had maybe our best display of blocking altogether when it came to, you know, running backs and tight ends and receivers in practice on on Saturday. Uh, there was a running play uh, with Christian McCaffrey going to the edge to his left, and Brandon Ayuk cut off Fred Warner and immediately took him out of the play. And Warner was on Christian McCaffrey's tail, like right there, going to get him. Ayuk popped up, boom, hit him, took him out of the play. It was a great block by Ayuk, who is now kind of known for his blocking. Now physically he is downfield. Uh, an example of that in practice. Other guys, Colton McKivitz. Um, Drake Jackson is a grown man. <laughs> and to see Colton McKivitz, two guys, right? McKivitz and Jackson trying to prove themselves and try to earn, or at least, you know, show they're worthy of that starting role. McKivitz held the zone against Drake Jackson, who was coming at him full force, giving Sam Darnold enough time to go through his progressions and find his checkdown. Again, it's a checkdown, but to see Colton McKivitz win his 1v1 against Jackson and give Darnold the time to make the throw to Christian McCaffrey, that's really impressive to me that, hey, look, like, look, it's one play. It's one block. McKivitz has been overwhelmingly good during training camp, but I just wanted to highlight him here and say he's he's doing his job very well because I haven't talked about him much, and I, I do want to give him the credit where it's uh, deserved. Um, other guys like Ty Davis Price, who's been on this show, talked about plenty of times how he's been great running and how he's improved his pass catching. One thing for him is how do you block in the passing game? If you're not blocking anybody, if you're missing blocks on you know, blitzing safeties and linebackers blitzing or even offensive linemen, it's going to be hard for you to play on passing downs in this offense. And Ty Davis Price on Saturday, uh, Jair Brown was blitzing off the edge. TDP picked him up, again, allowing Darnold to find Danny Graham, a comebacker for about 15 yards downfield. Those are the small things you look at and say, uh-huh, yep, he's growing as a player. He's learning. He's improving in many facets, pass blocking, pass catching, and his field vision. TDP is looking more and more like a complete player that's really young and has a lot of room to grow still, but really improving in many areas he's going to have to improve on if he wants to play on this team this year. Two other guys, Cameron Latu, Braden Willis, the two rookie tight ends this year, on separate plays. They secured the edge, allowing Jordan Mason to find a lane to run for a nice chunk of yardage, and I think those two guys have been kind of quiet. At least Latu has been a lot more quiet during training camp. Um, I talked about him a couple days ago, how like he just the effort doesn't seem to be there. 
and I didn't I don't want to judge him for that, but it didn't seem to be there. On this play, it was there. Uh, he's more known for his blocking, kind of being a project player, and Braden Willis being one of the best pass-blocking tight ends and run-blocking tight ends coming out of college last year. But those two guys, two young guys trying to prove themselves, trying to steal Warner and Dwelly's job, at least on this play, really impressive, opened up lanes for the running back, and those are small things they're going to notice and say, yep, that was great, that was good. We need more of that here, because Dwelly hasn't done much, Warner hasn't done much, uh, and Watu and Willis, this team is banking on them playing this year in some form or some fashion, you can run block, you are going to play in Kyle Shanahan's offense. He is going to run the football 40 times a game, or at least once to. Kittle can't do all of that. If Lachua Willis can you know, prove that they can block in the running game consistently, they are going to see the field this year. This one play, another display of their blocking uh, capabilities, and I wanted to highlight it. Other players, well, I wouldn't say other players, I already mentioned him once, is Ty Davis Price, and he had a good practice, but what I wanted to highlight here isn't exactly what he did on the field. It's what Jake Brendel said of him after practice. And Jake Brendel said, when asked about his growth as a player, when asked about Ty Davis Price's growth as a player, said it's almost night and day. It's pretty wild how much he's progressed, I feel like a lot of people didn't expect huge things from him last year, but this season, he's in the running to be a huge contender for the running back position. When someone like me says he's playing well, being Ty Davis Price, it means one thing, right? When a player like Jake Brendel, who has been through the ringer, drafted by Dallas, was in Miami, was a backup here, who has gone through his time to earn a starting job, looks at Ty Davis Price and says what he's doing is night and day from year one to year two. He's not going to be Trey Sermon 2.0. He isn't that bust third-round pick. I've gushed about him on the podcast, on Twitter. Players are doing the same thing. They are seeing the growth that we're seeing from the sideline, and I'm sure they're seeing it even more. The preparation, where his body is, TDP, if he's not this team's fourth string running back, I'd be surprised. But I also think he has a really good shot to be this team's three or number two behind Christian McCaffrey. He has been that good. Games have to be played. Practices have to be played. There's a lot of room to grow and to make mistakes and learn and also fall down the order if he has a bad couple, you know, two or three weeks from here on out. But right now, really impressed by him. Obviously, so is Jake Brendel. And I'm hoping that soon, against the Raiders in a week or so, you guys can also see that on your couches or actually at uh, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. A couple other players, linebackers. We have discussed linebackers a lot here recently on the podcast. That's because they're standing out more and more and more. Um, I thought Jalen Graham has really shown the ability to uh, be viable in run defense. Yes, it's against third stringers. I get that. Um, but right now he's flashing almost every single practice in run defense, stuffing running plays, being sturdy towards the line of scrimmage, you know, not getting blocked into, not being, you know, pushed out of the way to create a hole for a running back. There was a play 
on Saturday. He just blew up a play and got in the backfield quick and just stuffed uh, LeBorn in the backfield. It was a great play. You go, wow, who was that? Um, I believe Larry Kruger looked over and was like, who's that guy? And he, he didn't see who it was, but uh, immediately he was like, that's, that's Jalen Graham. That is Jalen Graham. The other guy is, ironically, Larry Kruger's favorite player, it seems like, Marsh Lima McCrary Ball. McCrary Ball, every freaking practice is, is doing something. He is batting down balls. He's, you know, he's great run defense. He's good in coverage. He's physical. And on Saturday's practice, um, he had what could have been the first takeaway of the day and the only one of the day, I might add, because he was covering Braden Willis with Sam Darnold playing quarterback. And Darnold kind of got flushed in the pocket and kind of moved to his left and couldn't find anybody. And while in coverage with Willis, a McCray ball kind of tipped the ball in the air and it almost got picked off by Curtis Robinson. Uh, it wasn't a pick, but you make plays like that. You get the ball in the air. Usually that's not Curtis Robinson, it's Fred Warner, right? It's Drake Greenlaw, right? And you have to think those guys are a little quicker at, you know, recovering and closing in on plays. Um, I don't want to assume they'd catch that football, but I'm just going to say I give them a better shot than Curtis Robinson had. <laughs> just saying. Um, and for someone like McCurry Ball to continually find himself making plays, making good impressions on us, the media, but also the team, the people around him, uh, you can tell that he is kind of growing and kind of, I don't want to say taking uh, Aziz Alshire's spot, but you can see him kind of growing into that role as training camp has progressed, and hopefully he can carry that over into games uh, during the preseason. Another player who I talked about in you know, a long time ago, pre-training camp, and I said, I have high hopes for this player. I think he can actually make this roster if they keep five safeties. Um, I'm not sure if they were ever going to, if that's the plan, but Taylor Hawkins has been really good at being a run defender, uh, playing in the box, being a blitzing safety. Um, I don't think he'll make the roster, unfortunately, but uh, there was a play on Saturday that, tight end in front of him he shed the tight end he just stuffed a tdp in the backfield contained the edge really well didn't let him get outside it was a really good play by a young safety trying to fight for a job here this team has six safeties currently um and you have to believe they're going to keep four they're already kind of locked into a roster spot if this team tends to keep five i don't think they will he's fighting with miles hartsfield for that job um they might lean towards hartsfield because he was with, was with was with Wilkes last year, excuse me. Um, but I would assume with what Hawkins has done, I'd have a hard time, you know, cutting him outright. I think he might be a practice squad player again this year. Um, but I just wanted to highlight him here for a little bit and show you, hey, guys you weren't hearing from or seeing from, they're also doing stuff on the field. Young guys are performing in ways that maybe no one's mentioning. And I wanted to give him some light here on the show. Um, another guy who has been talked about endlessly the past few days, Deshaun Jameson. Um, he had an okay day. It wasn't great. Got beat on a few go balls and 1v1s, but that's fine. Um, I wasn't too worried about that. It's 1v1s. It happens. It wasn't team drills. Um, I don't take away a lot from 1v1s compared to team drills because it's just you versus one guy, and that's kind of how playing a DB is a lot of the time, but... 
there's coverages and there's things that change that up, right? That can make it easier for you or harder for you, depending on what you're doing. Um, but I wanted to, kind of like TDP, discuss what someone else said about Deshaun Jameson. And that was rookie safety Jair Brown. He said this about uh, Deshaun Jameson on Saturday after practice. At the top of the route, he's probably the one of the best I've ever seen. How quick he can get in and out of his breaks and attack the ball. Most guys take three or four steps. This guy takes one step and boom, is gone. Um, to hear that, to hear a third round pick, a player this team valued to take with their first pick this year in the draft, praise him. To hear Mooney Ward praise him and learn from Deshaun Jameson. To hear Steve Wilkes praise Deshaun Jameson. Um, no one's roster spot is locked in yet besides the starters. <laughs> um, and I don't want to assume he makes this team or say, yep, this guy's making the team. If there's one player who was not drafted, who I think could jump up and steal somebody's job, it is Deshaun Jameson. Um, to hear, again, veteran players, veteran coaches gush about him. To hear people say, being undrafted means nothing. And look no further than Mooney Ward, who was undrafted and is now like an all-pro level cornerback, or at least wants to be in his eyes, right? Him gushing about Deshaun Jameson saying, yep, I'm learning from him. Uh, that's a big deal. Uh, I, I, I think sometimes we kind of throw away what players say because the players aren't making decisions. But I do think knowing the cornerback room, knowing someone has to take Dante Johnson's job on special teams or the, that emergency cornerback number six, um, I think Deshaun Jameson is worth taking a gamble on. Uh, I don't know if he's one of those players where if you cut him, he'll get claimed off waivers because he's too good. Um, I'm not comparing him to this player, but that was the fear of Brock Purdy last year. If they cut him, somebody else was going to take him. And to see this team with Emmanuel Mosley, now Mooney Ward, and even then Deshaun Jameson, I would like to think they have no fear in keeping or signing an undrafted free agent rookie. Uh, I would like to think that he makes his team simply because of the impression he's giving almost every single day and what someone else higher up than him with the higher up status is saying about him. Uh, it's hard to ignore what is happening with Deshaun Jameson because it's all good all the time. It seems like it's very rare he gets beaten coverage. Very rare that when he does get beaten coverage, he isn't right there ready to, to make a tackle or, you know, try to get a PBU, right? He's always very close in coverage, always near his receiver. He's not getting beat down the field and falling down. He isn't, you know, getting lost in coverage. He's right there. He's quick to the football. Like Brown said, most guys, three or four steps. Jameson, one step. He's very quick when it comes to, you know, stopping defenders from getting or excuse me stopping receivers getting out of their cuts he's really good in man coverage i think this team even last year was kind of transitioning into man coverage a little bit more i mean i can see jameson to a very small degree this year playing a part in that if they go to if they kind of lean even heavier this year and someone else gets hurt um i think they'd feel comfortable keeping him on the roster as that six cornerback and right now he's taking second team reps he's he's winning the job right now and it's really nice to see from a young player like him also when you see a young player like him 
uh, who is has this chip on his shoulder and plays with that, he has a point to prove every single rep, and he's doing that every single rep. Um, and he's someone who you can tell from guys in college you talk about him who covered him, and now guys in the NFL, he's likable, he's coachable, and he's very knowledgeable about the game. He wants to improve over and over and over again. He isn't afraid to you know make a mistake and learn from that. Like he's a player you want on your team. And moving forward, the player that was talking about him, Jair Brown, he talked to us on Saturday in the media room. And throughout the entire draft process, throughout, you know, post-draft, after they picked him, the the comparison was, well, Tao Hufanga, or Tashawn Gibson, right? It was very similar players that were playmakers, can get picks and fumbles and, you know, but they weren't fast. That Hufanga and Gibson are not very fast, but they're really good towards the football. They're, you know, this quasi-ball hawk. They want to thumb somebody coming down in the box. And they're playmaking safeties. And Jair Brown discussed, you know, having a bad 40 time. You know, a bad 40 time, right? And how, you know, watching Gibson and Hufanga play fast still, despite their slow speed that that's how he wants to play and how he's trying to go about his job. And he was asked about that, and he said, when you're smart and think fast, the 40 time doesn't really matter at all. It's about how fast you can process information and and make a decision. Um, There was an example of this on Saturday where Sean Gibson, he was playing the high-end safety, and there was a deep ball to Brandon Ayuk who was underthrown. And... He was kind of backpedaling to the football, and Tashawn Gibson came out of nowhere, diving, and kind of smacking the ball out of the air. And I think that's an example of, for Jair Brown, you know, where to apply your effort. Yes, you want to get faster. Yes, you want to get stronger and quicker. But when you have natural-born instincts like Jair Brown, and you can learn from someone like Hufunga and Gibson who are smart, but also have the same instincts you do. Like, he's kind of in the best safety room you can be in for a player like himself. Hufunga, instinctual. Gibson, 11 years in the NFL. Avec, he has seen every and any coverage there is in the books. Any play, any scheme in the books. To have those two guys on your left and right shoulder telling you, look at this. Read this. How to play this coverage. How to play this scheme. How to play this offensive play. How to guard for this X, Y, and Z. For a player like Brown, knowing, hey, I'm not the fastest guy. But seeing him live in person, seeing him play fast, hearing players talk about how once pads come on, he's going to want to hit somebody. He even talked about on Saturday that, hey, look, if you want to play on this defense, you have to be a hunter. You have to join the hunt with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. And I think in a room with Gibson and Ufunga, him joining that hunt is going to be a lot easier. Has he had a great camp thus far? No. But there have been small plays where you can see the instincts kicking on run defense, on a pass play. He's right there. If it was live action, boom. The Thunder's laid down, the guy's knocked out, ball comes out, who knows, right? But for Jair Brown, this is the best room for him. That Look, 
you may not possess a strong 40 time to keep up with Tyreek Hill or Stephon Diggs or, or Lockett or Metcalf. You can't keep up with them speed-wise. But if you know how to jump the route, where to, to know where the play's happening before it actually plays itself out, that's where Gibson comes in and Furufunga, who can tell you, take this angle, um, to tell you to, hey, act on your instincts. I think for Brown, he is going to make a faster impact than many think he will. I don't think he'll start all year, unless someone gets hurt, obviously. But I do think that seeing him play second team, free safety, strong safety, seeing very small glimpses of the playmaking, you know, fast playing instincts he has, if he can learn that playbook and really kind of master and sit with Deshaun Gibson day in, day out, and learn, hey, you already have the instincts, learn how to play in the NFL, you are going to go far, play extremely long, and Yunu Funga can be this playmaking, you know, high caliber, you know, speeding bullet type of defender, right? Where if a receiver catches that ball on the flat, boom, on the ground, balls out, fumble. My mind goes to that Saints game last year. Goal line stance, need the ball back. Hufunga, boom on Kamara, balls out, popped out, game's over. Stuff like that, where Hufunga's instincts are almost second to none, kind of Palomalu-like, right? Um, I'm not saying that's Jair Brown. What I'm saying is, is that you can combine and learn from those two guys who are really good at the knowledge and the instinctual things, combine that. Um, Jair Brown, if he can master those things and just be, be a learner, be a sponge, he is going to make an impact earlier than people think. Um, we're going to get into quarterbacks now. <laughs> and before I do, I want to mention a caveat. Because on Saturday, there was a noticeable rust. A noticeable kind of stuck-in-the-mud type of play early in practice from the quarterbacks. Kind of already talked about that between Ayuk and Womack and Danny Gray kind of chirping and talking and dropping the football early, right? Uh, it was more noticeable in the offensive line and the quarterbacks. And I think to be fair to the quarterbacks, I think you have to discuss how bad the offensive line was, especially the second team. Uh, Brandon Allen wasn't really affected by this because he was a third string guy all day, but Sam Darnold, Trey Lance, both those players were affected by a bad offensive line play. And to address it, I think, you know, I don't like using the would-be sack tally to knock a player down during practice. But again, the second team offensive line noticeably struggled on Saturday. And it did feel like Lance and Darnold were in constant pressure and and, in duress early in the drills on Saturday. Um, And I don't know if it's the case, but it seemed to, early again in practice, contribute to their inconsistent start. Uh, And I do want to be fair to both of them because they were not great on Saturday, especially early uh, during team drills. Uh, And they were all kind of bad, to be honest with you. Um, But I thought Matt Pryor, who who was on Saturday the second team right tackle, who with Trent Williams and McKivitt starting, 
he's battling for that swing tackle job, who apparently, according to, to Chris Forrester, is going to be playing left tackle at times, whether in practice or preseason. Um, he was a liability. <laughs> and it made me really nervous to say, wow, that guy can be our swing tackle this year. I said, oh, God, please no. Because it felt like for the first five, six snaps, there was always a defender in the in the backfield, in the pocket, about to hit the quarterback, would have hit the quarterback. And I hate using would-be sacks, but it felt like every single play there would have been a sack, or at least a quarterback hit somewhere. And, you know, I'm not trying to come down Matt Pryor's road, by all means. It's one day of a nine-day stretch thus far. He's been fine the other days. This was not a good day, and it may have hampered the quarterback play, and I want to be fair to those two guys. Because a quarterback is already heavily scrutinized here, and you are going to hear me be critical today about the quarterbacks, and, well, at least for the most part. Because the offensive line play did not do its job early in practice on Saturday. And I want to be fair to those guys. Okay, Sam Darnold, starting with him. He was the first quarterback up working with the first team. Um, and I talked earlier about how there was a clear point by the coaching staff to want the quarterbacks to test the defense with deep balls, with go balls. I counted 10, 15 throws between Lance, Allen, and Darnold. I just straight go out there and get it, right? And I do think Sam Darnold on this team throws the best deep ball on the entire team. Now, with that thought in the ether and out there being said, um, he was overthrowing plenty of guys early. Um, now, to, get to his credit, every single ball he overthrew early in practice was towards the boundary where no defender could catch it. And so, it's an overthrow, it's a miss, but the miss isn't a bad miss, wasn't a floating duck in the air. Um, Trey Lance threw one of those in one of the ones and I looked at John Dickinson and I said, hey, that wasn't good. <laughs> that was really bad. Um, he's Peyton Manning in his last year throwing ducks in defense or to the defense now. 1v1s, no pick, move on, right? Um, but I do think, despite Sam Darnold, in my opinion, having the best D-ball on the team, that you know is, is the best arm talent altogether on this team... Uh, I do think he struggled today, or on Saturday, excuse me. Um, he was 9 for 13, and the inaccuracies in early drills and 1v1s definitely carried over into team drills. Um, there was a ball thrown behind Debo, and, and the reason why I brought up the offensive line play is because on this play specifically, there could have been like 7 sacks. I mean, it was like, run to your left, run to your right, run to your left, run to your right, stop, run back to your right. It was awful. And... It felt like Darnold was like, I have to get rid of the football and threw it behind Debo Samuel. The next play, he was also pressured. This was the McCurry ball tip pass almost for a pick to Braden Willis. Um, not a great play. And again, just inaccurate. Couldn't find the rhythm. Um, also, two deep balls he did throw in this in during situational drills. Um, one to Debo. This was an easy touchdown. Like, he just missed him. Um, he, this was the underthrown ball to Debo Samuel that uh, Gibson smacked out of the air earlier. 
Um, this is a touchdown play. You, you have to make this play. Uh, Debo, wide open. He beat the defender by like six, seven feet. You have to make this play. There was separation. Um, the ball trajectory wasn't bad. <laughs> like it wasn't hanging up in the air. But you hit Debo, that's a 60-yard, 70-yard touchdown pass. Like you have to hit those plays. Um, the next one was to McLeod. Uh, he was backed up against his own end zone, Darnold was, and he, uh, again, underthrew McLeod. And to give Womack credit, good coverage. But again, if you're backed up against your own end zone and you're throwing a deep ball and you underthrow it, you are giving the defense, in some cases, the ball, or at least a good chance of getting the football back in your own territory. You cannot do that. <laughs> like At that point, you might as well punt. Like, you cannot underthrow Debo and miss a touchdown, then underthrow McLeod and give the defense the ball back in your own territory. That's how you lose football games. And I say those things, and I've added caveats to bad offensive line play, and, you know, showing and telling that how Darnold was inaccurate early overthrowing players, and that carried over into, you know, team drills early, was because he just couldn't find a rhythm. There's one play where he hits Danny Gray for a comeback, and you go, that's a nice play. Avoided some pressure, hit Gray for a nice play, nice catchy dough for it. It was a good play altogether from quarterback and receiver. And the next few plays, he's under-throwing deep balls, he's running in the pocket left and right and kind of forcing passes, and you're sitting there saying, okay, is this bad quarterback play? Or is no receiver open? Are these coverage sacks? Is this just Darnold being hesitant like what's going on here and i think i had narrowed it down to really it's one practice but he looked noticeably uncomfortable in the pocket and he did show signs of who he's been in the past throwing footballs into double coverage uh where guys aren't open getting balls tipped in the air um I'm not saying he was seeing ghosts by any means, but there was certain signs of, okay, like, this is who you've been the past four, five years in, in the NFL, um, not who you've shown to be in camp thus far. Um, I'm not saying he's reverting back to how that, you know, how bad he was in Carolina and New York, but it made me think, okay, let's, let's just say Purdy gets hurt week one against Pittsburgh. Or at any point during the year. And he has to play the Giants on Thursday Night Football. Or Philadelphia. Teams who want to attack the quarterback. Who are young. Who are aggressive defensively. That are going to try to get pressure to him. Every single play. My mind said. Is this how you're going to play? Throwing footballs left and right. Showing very little pocket presence. And kind of being lost in the offense. And really showing that maybe you haven't grown from who you've been in the past. And I know it's it's practice and Shanahan can obviously make things easier for him. And when you're playing a defense that you played every single day for nine days. Maybe that is a reason why. But Sam Darnold looked like Sam Darnold in New York and in Carolina on Saturday. Little inaccurate. Forcing passes, uh, almost picked off once. And in my mind, I said, okay, if you're going to be that guy, 
who, once the pocket collapses, is going to force passes and get picked off. Who does that remind you of? For all the games Jimmy Garoppolo won, (laughs) the ones that he lost were because he was throwing the football around, making mistakes, and the double, triple coverage. And you said, Jimmy, like, come on, dude. Like, anybody knows you can't make that pass. There are three defenders right there. That's kind of what Sam Darnold was doing on Saturday. Now, it wasn't egregious of like, oh my goodness, it's, you know, Debo, then Mooney and Hufunga and Gibson right there. It wasn't like that. But there were certain plays you go, that guy isn't open and you are forcing passes. Something bad is going to happen. And it almost did on one play. And he just looked jittery. He looked uncomfortable. And I get that. In practice, things aren't always as they seem from the sideline. The pocket collapses, you want to make your read still, you want to hit your throws still, you want to work on your stuff still and not play, you know, throw away. I get that, right? But from what we're seeing, it's one day. He has not shown this the other eight days. But this day I was like, oh, uh, that that's scary. <laughs> um, don't do that ever because that's turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, in losing football games. Um, Now, to his credit, he did turn things back around a little bit later. Um, He hit CMC with pressure in his face, kind of moved to his left, hit CMC for a nice game in between linebackers. Um, And I thought his timing was better as the day progressed. Um, He also had a quick, you know, little slant route to Conley, backed up against his own uh, end zone to to give the team some cushion. It was a nice throw, crisp, easy, boom. You know, you're at you're at your own five. Now you're at your own ten, and you have some move, some room to maneuver around. Um, but early, it was like, uh, is this Sam Darnold from the Jets? Are are there ghosts? Now again, clean things up later. But there was a little uh, okay. Like, are you regressing towards the mean? Are you are are you going back to who you've been? I mean, I'm hoping tomorrow Monday is a much better practice for Sam Darnold with Brock Purdy back on the field. Uh, but was not a great day for the right now assumed quarterback number two of the San Francisco 49ers uh, and the pocket presence. The forcing passes is one thing that I'm going to keep my eye on as days progress and preseason games come up. Um, the other quarterback, the one that you all love, I all love, we all love together. We're all kumbaya with Trey freaking Lance. Uh, Trey Lance on the day was 8 for 13. But I do think if anybody was hurt by bad quarterbacking play of the three guys on the field, I think it was Trey. Um, Normally, I wouldn't say much about it. You have to work with what you have. And I thought Trey did what he could. There was some bad early, especially. Um, But it felt like for his first go-around with the second team, it was like every single play there's pressure every single play um there's a defensive lineman in his face and it was like okay like he's not getting a fair shake here because someone else isn't doing their job and that's not his fault uh so early on first go around second team offensive line play action pass incomplete to ronnie bell um ronnie bell fell down during his route um thankfully there was no defensive player in the area (laughs) he just fell down 
And even A.J. Parker, a cornerback, he, he would have hit Trey Lance in some capacity. So a free rusher off the edge, incomplete pass. That's not Lance's fault, in my opinion. That is a receiver falling down during his route. Maybe would have been complete. Maybe would have been incomplete. I don't know. I don't want to hold him accountable for that because that's not his fault, in my opinion. Because if the receiver falls down and it's picked off, that isn't Lance's fault either. So incomplete pass. You wash it away. That makes him 0 for 1. And realistically, to me, he's 0 for 0 currently. But that, that right there was okay. Like... That's not Lance's fault, but it goes against his his stats. That's there's context people are missing when it comes to incompletion incompletions on Saturday. The next one, Matt Pryor again. He got freaking bullied by Kerry Hyder. Uh, Lance steps up. Parker again hits the ball out of the air to Jennings. Was it a good throw? Yes, I thought timing was good to Jennings. Uh, defender made a good play though. That's all that was. Incompletion. 0 for 2. Bad offensive line play. Maybe caused it. I don't know. But that's 0 for 2. And maybe both those plays weren't exactly his fault. Or don't tell the entire story. When you put 0 for 2 next to his name in a tweet. But here's where things get interesting. Because then he works with the first team. We're talking Trent, Feliciano, Brendel, Burford, and McKibbins. Um, his first throw was a go ball to Debo Samuel. He overthrew him, and it was a flat football. Didn't arc over. Wasn't the duck by any means. It was a fine, just underthrown football, or excuse me, overthrown football. The issue is Debo was wide open, <laughs> like like Darnold missed that touchdown pass to Debo earlier in practice. Lance has to hit this 15-yard, 20-yard, you know, Debo towards the sideline play. This is the plays where you go, okay, like, that's your bread and butter. You have to hit in this offense. Wide open receivers. Darnold misses a big touchdown, got to hit that. Lance misses Debo kind of on a cross or a post towards the sideline, got to hit that too. You cannot miss throws like this. And both the quarterbacks in this day 1v2 with Darnold and Lance both did that early. You cannot do that in this offense. The next play, check down. I know no one likes check downs, but this to me was a good display of his pocket presence. Um, pocket got smaller. He moved to his left, found Mason, boom, completed pass, avoided a little bit of pressure, didn't let it shake him. If there's one thing I want to commend Trey Lance for this offseason, this training camp, the pocket presence has really improved. He's standing tall over and over and over again. He's unafraid to take hits. Albeit, you can't really hit quarterbacks in training camp. But you can tell that he is so much more comfortable in his throws and how he plays football. Yes, there are still some things you point to and say, okay, can't do that, can't do this. But his pocket presence has really improved. And even a small check down like this is an example of the pocket presence kind of growing as he's coming into year three in the NFL. Again, <laughs> when I say good stuff for Trey Lance here, pocket presence improves. The next play, you're like, God, Trey, <laughs> like, I'm hyping you up, I'm talking you up, and you do the next play, which was Drake Jackson dis destroys the offensive line again. He's in the backfield. Um, may have been a sack, I have no idea. But Trey noticeably held this football for way too long. 
And again, with Darnold, I don't know if that's a simple, I want to go with my progressions, I want to focus on what I'm being told to focus on, and forget about the you know surrounding offensive line playing defenders around me. That's fine. I don't want to overly criticize that. But it took him like eight, nine seconds to throw this football. You are going to get hit if you are not scrambling. In this case, he wasn't scrambling, so he would have got hit. <laughs> um, you cannot take 10 seconds to throw a pass in, in the NFL. Unless you're Mahomes and running left and right and juking guys. That, that's so rare. <laughs> like, Trey Lance is not Patrick Mahomes, at least yet, and may never be there. Probably will never be there, right? So, you have to be a little faster through your progressions, or at least run the football. But not knowing what they're trying to practice, okay, whatever, right? To his credit, though, he did find Christian McCaffrey for a nice gain, ball in between the defenders, you know, about 5, 10 yards. Does the play count? I have no idea. Was it a sack? I have no idea. But where there was bad, there was good with Trey Lance early in practice on Saturday. Uh, I thought his next play was his best early, uh, which unfortunately was followed by maybe his worst pass of the day. But the good pass, Kittle on a slant, he fired it in there. Boom, right to his chest. Unfortunately, Mooney Ward's playing cornerback and defended the football well. Good coverage, good throw. That's still an incompletion against Trey Lance, but doesn't tell the, the entire story. But his next play, this is the one play, if I was going to kind of nitpick and really focus on about what was negative about his day, it's this next play. Because screen pass to Ayuk, looking to his left, safety blitz, okay? So pressure immediately coming, ball snapped, Ayuk's to Lance's left, Throws it behind him a little bit. Causes Ayuk to kind of get off his route. Um, and then Chris Conley doesn't secure the block. Lenore's in the in the backfield, makes the tackle. You know, makes the tackle, right? Um, this was a play I circled and said, Shanahan is going to hate that. Um, I am not saying every quarterback has to play the same. They, by all means, do not. Lance, Purdy, Darnold, Allen... They all play their particular brand of football. That's okay. But in this offense, that is predicated on being precise with your timing and the small, little area of error on a screen pass on these small slant routes that Garoppolo, for all of the bad he did, was really good at, of getting the ball to Debo and Ayuk and Kittle on these small, quick, Perfectly timed screens and end arounds. That is so important in, in this offense. And Lance still kind of struggles there. The pass was complete, mind you. Got the job done getting it to Ayuk. The issue is, you make Ayuk move out of the route. Which changes the angle of how a defender attacks the play. Right? That leads to a tackle in the backfield... Loss of yardage, maybe in a certain play, certain situation, loss of a game. Like you have to make these small plays in Shanahan's offense to succeed and thrive. And out of all the plays that he did good today, and we'll get to those in a second, this was the one play I said, "Oh God, Trey! Like you, you have to make this play. If all the throws you missed, make this one. 
<laughs> like, please make this one, hit it to his chest, give Ayuk the best chance to get some yak and make a big play. Conley has to make a better block by far. It's not all Trey's fault. But if this throw is accurate to Ayuk's chest, maybe there's a better opportunity for him to break something down the road for 5, 10, 20 yards. Who knows? But you have to put your def- your offensive weapons in a better position on screens and small little, you know, little quick outs for, you know, Debo and Kittle and Ayuk. This play wasn't great, but Trey Lance really turned things around towards the end of the day. He was 3 for 7 early, right? But to end his day, he was really good. Uh, I I think Trey Lance was the best quarterback on the field when all was said and done on Saturday. I truly believe that leaving the field and going through my notes and seeing what everyone else was saying, you know, the numbers are out there, right? He was the best quarterback. Um, I'm going to overanalyze this somewhat because he did struggle at times. The timing was a little off early. And I think Shanahan saying, I hate that you missed that screen pass, but... Um, when they were in situational drills, backed up against his own goal line, um, he picked things up where it was okay. Crosser to Debo, slant to Debo, uh, a little comebacker to Ayuk, slant to Ayuk. Uh, there were two plays, the comebacker to Debo and the slant to Ayuk, where he zipped it past Lenore once for a first down. The next play, the slant to Ayuk, right past the linebacker, and boom, back-to-back first downs, out of your own end zone, you're at like the 30-yard line now, and boom, you this drive is alive, you're moving the football, and you are looking in a good position to actually go down and put some points on the board. That's really great stuff from Trey Lance. But I'm talking perfectly placed footballs. On time, decisive with his throws, you know, right to Lance, or excuse me, right to Ayuk, right to Debo, right where the ball needs to be in a situation you have to get some points in or have to get a first down in. Lance was on the money in move the ball drills. He was well, he was three for three, or excuse me, two for two, but two other plays was a reverse and a scramble. Um, and the first play, quick out to McLeod, precise, boom, nice pass. The next play, reverse to Danny Gray. Who's out leading the blocks? Who's out ready to go out there and make a block? It's Trey Lance. That's leadership. That's being involved in a play. Um, Brock Purdy's probably doing the same thing. That's fine. But when to see a 6'3", 6'4", quarterback wanting to block a young player ready to block, um, I, I truly believe that for Trey Lance, the growth in the pocket, the leadership he's showing, like these are all really good signs. And to see him out there, at the front of the line, I'm going to make a block if a de- defender comes near my receiver. That's good stuff there. To see that, I'm willing to take a shot and a hit to make sure my guy has a great play. That's what makes and endeared this team to Jimmy Garoppolo. And Trey Lance is starting to show that stuff too. And I'm not comparing him to Jimmy, but if you can do stuff like that, win this team over, make them buy into you, it's stuff like that being the front of the line Ready to block on a reverse play. Um, then his last play of the day was a deep ball to Willie Sneed for a touchdown. Now, this ball wasn't perfect. <laughs> um, this ball was a little underthrown. Um, but 
I would like to assume that this ball was thrown to draw a penalty. Can't confirm that. That's my assumption. Nevertheless, defender doesn't get his head around. Sneed makes a one-handed catch. It's a touchdown. Um, I want to give Lance credit for taking a risk. Um, same for all the quarterbacks during practice on Saturday. Uh, during 1v1s, they they shown they wanted to push the football. They did that. Um, Brock Purdy and Allen have done that more consistently than other guys have, but to give Lance and Darnold credit, um, whether they made it or they missed it, they were forcing that football down the field, taking shots, and for Lance in this case, he hit one. A big 25-yard touchdown pass would have scored, obviously late in the game during move-the-ball drills, right? Um, but to see him go 3-for-7 early, then end 5-for-5 five five with three really good plays, including the touchdown pass and two you know, on-the-money, perfectly-placed first downs backed up against your own end zone, um, that is night and day from early where he was to, to ending practice. To kind of a little off with his timing, um, to kind of you know, overthrowing some certain guys, and then you know, the next drills you do, you're bang, 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 right on time, right on the money, and you're putting points up. Trey Lance, again, it's like six days now in a row where he's been the best quarterback, or at least if he isn't the best, he's had a really positive day. Um, it didn't start that way. I put on Twitter, it's not how you start sometimes, it's how you finish. We watched Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game get down 21 to nothing, and they won that football game. To see him battle early. Of, you know, things aren't going my way. To see the offensive line just not play great early. Then to see him battle back through practice and find his footing and make good plays. Um, you know, to see the pocket collapse and find receivers. To see, you know, to just find a way to make a play when things aren't going right. Or to, once plays have gone wrong and you've missed guys who are open and you've overthrown players and underthrown them and made, you know, to a certain point, make a bad decision... To see him battle back throughout practice and end nearly perfect towards the end, that's the growth you want to see from a young quarterback that has basically been told, if you ain't like if you're not starting, you might be out the door. Now, I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't like that mentality, but that's been the challenge thrown upon Trey Lance. If you're not quarterback one, which we know he's not gonna be, you have to fight to stay on this roster. He has done through nine practices enough to stay on the roster. <laughs> like, I don't want that narrative being out there. There are there are games to be played and so many more practices to be had. This time, next week, the entire conversation could be different, right? Right now, though, six good practices, positive practices on Trey Lance's behalf. Uh, if he isn't ahead of, I would have him on par with Sam Darnold for that number two quarterback job, and to see him keeping up with the veteran, to see him fighting every single rep, to see him fighting when things aren't going his way, that's a really good sign for Trey Lance, and I think really should impress Kyle Shanahan. I see no reason as to why they shouldn't trust him, at least up to this point, to where if he has to play, they're going to win football games, and he's going to progress as time continues. Um, again, struggle early but how he ended really impressed me because a couple years ago that wouldn't have happened but it did on saturday uh to end the show today 
at 12.44 in the morning on August 7th, uh, while you wait in five hours to listen to this on the audio version and five hours to watch it on YouTube again, <laughs> let's talk about Brandon Allen. Um, I think Brandon Allen has made a case for this team's quarterback number three job. Now, I think he has been the worst quarterback of the four on the field, but on Saturday, I think he was the second best quarterback on the field. Um, there were some timing issues like all the quarterbacks had earlier in the day. Um, and there was a mistake early. <laughs> Actually pretty funny. He threw into triple coverage <laughs> and the ball hung in the air for a really long time. Um, I'm not sure how no one intercepted the football, but Danny Gray went up for it and dropped it. And Jamison and Hawkins broke the play up. That was a play I said, yep, that's quarterback four material right there. <laughs> that's, you know, forcing a pass when you don't have to in triple coverage, uh, making a mistake. That's a play you, uh, yep, that's why you rode the bench for 16, 17, 18 games this year and shouldn't be playing. Um, but then later on, um, he hit a touchdown that was like 50 yards downfield, 40 yards downfield to at least need the fourth in between two defenders. And I'm talking this was on the money deep ball that made you say, okay, maybe he's got something here. And there were still some timing issues later in practice, but I do think overall, I left the day feeling confident or more confident in Brandon Allen than I ever have to go, there is something here. I, I, I understand why you are here now. I understand why to some they think he is already this team's quarterback number three, and Lance and Darnold are fighting for this roster spot for quarterback two. Um, I can see where people are making that assessment and kind of, you know, putting it out there. I don't agree with that, but I do understand there is a little bit of something to Brandon Allen where he might be better on timing than Trey Lance in certain areas, right? Little screen passes, right? Little check down stuff, right? But... Um, I still think he's this team's worst quarterback. <laughs> um, I think Lance has been so good, it's hard to ignore. Now, I'm not saying starting caliber good. I'm just saying from where he's been to where he is now, uh, he is on par with that team's quarterback number two job and should win it if it all was said and done right now. I put Lance in that position, and I think he will and should start their first preseason game against the Raiders. But Brandon Allen... He has an opportunity here to become the most hated person on this roster if he usurps Trey Lance, if he jumps him on the, the, the depth chart. Um, if this team keeps Purdy, Darnold, and Allen, if Allen ever plays, <laughs> this fan base is going to hate him. And I feel bad because it's not his fault. And he actually does have some potential. You, you can see signs of, okay... I get why last year Cincinnati was comfortable with you backing up Joe Burrow. Understand why Kyle Shanahan wanted to bring you in the building and has said, I want to keep four quarterbacks. Um, I get it now. I see it. Overall, the quarterbacks on Saturday, were they great? No, very inconsistent. Um, a lot of inaccuracies, a lot of bad throws. Um, and just not great stuff where you point to and say, that's what they've shown the previous eight days. Um, receivers fell down, the O-line was bad, um, and the pocket collapsed a ton. 
And I think of all the three quarterbacks who played, Trey Lance stood above all of them. Um, and even for him, it wasn't a great day early, but I do think that when you see the issues that were on the field on Saturday, to see him fight his way back, and, and I'll be honest with you, there was a certain point in this practice where Trey Lance looked like the worst quarterback on the field because of the outcome of the play. But when he battles back, found his footing, was hitting Debo and Ayuk in a big touchdown play, you can see the growth, the maturity, where, again, I've said it plenty of times on this podcast, the more he plays throughout a practice, the better he gets. If there was any practice that was an example of that, it was on Saturday, and I'm hoping, hoping they give him a half against Vegas, because I think he deserves that, because my fear is that he plays for a quarter, gets 10 snaps with 5 attempts, and isn't sharp, but if you give him the whole half, I think he'll put together a really good stretch of plays for you, and he'll put up some points in a preseason game to go, yep, that's why you're here, that's why you should stay here, and that's why if Purdy goes down, you're the guy we want behind him, ready to go, and if you hope down the road, wherever that is, he's the guy still. Like, why couldn't Trey Lance still be the guy and week 15 or week 12 or 8 if Purdy doesn't play good which is still a possibility I think Lance is that guy for them at least from what he's shown right now okay it is 12 50 a.m on August 7th I have to go to bed there's training camp today at 10 25 I'm on the radio tomorrow at 8 o'clock in the morning on 95 7 the game talking about this very topic we're discussing right now I have to sleep you're probably sleeping right now. <laughs> so with all that being said, all the quarterback talk, thank you for watching and listening to the live stream on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Thank you so much. Don't forget to leave a like, share, leave a review on the podcast. Tell your friends about it. Say, hey, this guy is down there in training camp. He's saying some stuff that you might want to hear. Tell your friends about this. I'll tweet all day tomorrow. Trayland stuff, Purdy stuff, Darnold stuff, some defense stuff. We'll dive into training camp tomorrow night. And again, use that promo code SeatGeek.com. 49ers access. Save yourself $20 off. Don't forget to follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. Use that fanatics link up, up above on youtube or down below to save yourself some money and support the show in the meantime while you buy your favorite players niner gear again my name is sterling bennett this has been the 49er access podcast and really until later today stay faithful <laughs>